Hi, everyone. I wanted to remind you of a must read. This is a book that you have to have on your bookshelf. It is called The Necktie and the Jaguar by Carl Greer. He is able to help you make important decisions, give you some guidance on which path to take, and you get to learn how he tapped into the wisdom and power of the unseen worlds for guidance and inspiration. I had the opportunity to interview him, and he was a lovely guest on the Path 11 podcast, episode 343. Check it out. Listen to the podcast. Go buy the book. Again, it's The Necktie and the Jaguar by Carl Greer. To find out more information, go to his website, carlgreer.com. That's spelled C-A-R-L-G-R-E-E-R.com. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by the Reconnective Healing Global Community. I don't know if you guys remember, but back in 2020, we released an episode with Dr. Eric Pearl and Jillian Fleer about reconnective healing. He was a chiropractor who was working in his practice in Los Angeles, and his patients started to report that they were having these healings just with his hands being near them without him actually touching them. So he went on to research and try to find out what this universal wisdom was behind what was happening. And he developed the reconnective healing process. Their website is thereconnection.com and they are offering an online level one class called the portal to awaken your own healing ability and to learn how to do this. There's over eight hours of interactive content where you will learn to interact with energy, light, and information to experience lasting knowingness, peace, and love without limitations. They gave us a coupon code to give to all of our listeners. It is PATH2PORTAL. We're going to put that in the show notes. And that's 25% off of the Portal Online Level 1 course. I hope you guys enjoy. Let me know if you take it. Send me an email. Would love to know how the course works for you. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Path 11 podcast. We have an exciting show for you today. I love interviewing people like my guests today who maybe really weren't on the spiritual side, were maybe a little more left-brained, a little more skeptical. But my guest today, Annette Marinaccio, was a, is a certified public accountant, if you can believe it, and a healthcare executive in New York. So shout out, love it when I have New York guests, and is the author of a book called Your Soul Focus. And her mother-in-law had passed away and has been, I would say, her guide that has led her on the path of where she is now to actually now believe in the afterlife. She was very skeptical about it. The The book is great. It has crazy synchronicities that um, I'm hoping she's going to share some of those stories with us. And she has really been just helping others with this book and with these stories. So I feel like if you are a person that's a little bit on the fence, you're still searching, you're looking for answers. You don't really know if some of this stuff is true, that spirits are sending us signs or they're really trying to communicate with us. I think this book is going to change your mind. So I'm really excited to introduce you 
to Annette. Hi, Annette. Hi, how are you, April? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited and honored to be here. Yeah, same here. I just love, love hearing stories like this. I can't even remember how we connected, but sometimes that's the beauty in it. Like I have some people where either I find that their story on Instagram or a publicist will send a book my way and I say no to a lot. And then others I'm like, yes. So I know you were a big yes for me. Oh, thank you. I was on uh, Will Rodriguez's. Oh, that's right. Yes. And he like was hearing my story and he's like, geez, you know something? I think you're supposed to connect with April. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Interesting because my background, as you said, being an accountant, I've not really been involved in the spiritual world most of my life. But but he was like, a lot of the things you're saying remind me of what April says. And she's been in the spiritual world for a while. So so that's how we connected. That's right. Yeah. So I had him as a guest because he's a podcast host and I was a guest on his podcast and it was a great conversation. He's a great host, you know, love his podcast as well. So yeah, I love the synchronicity of that, right? It's like, that's the beauty of this interconnectedness. And I really feel that spirit helps to make these connections and bring people like you, myself and Will together. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because after I put the book out this year, one of my friends said to me, you know, geez, because my mother-in-law is the one who started me on this journey. Geez, you, you know, your mother-in-law must have been such a strong individual. And she was strong, but she wasn't like super strong more than any other person. And then my friend said, well, then you two must have been so close. And I was like, well, we were close, but I, you know, I mean, we were close, but I wasn't super, super close. I don't know. And then she thought about it and she said, Oh, I know why your mother-in-law picked you to to show the afterlife too, because she wanted you to put the book together. And so I think in terms of synchronicities and connections and the way things work, I was like, that resonated with me. I was like, you know, you're absolutely right. I think she knew being an accountant (laughs) that once I finally understood that life goes on, that I would put my mind to it and and publish a book. So um, yeah, I think that's just sort of the way it's sometimes the universe, you know, works. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm sure your mother-in-law was behind it. What's her first name again? Lucille. Lucille. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Lucille. We will yeah. honor you today and bring you into this call. Though sometimes when that happens, they mess with the electronics. Oh. <laughs> so if she shows up, like just back off of the microphones a little bit. Yeah. So why don't you kind of just bring us to the backstory a little bit, you know, kind of where were you? What was the whole situation that was going on? I know what some of it is because I've I read it, but, you know, it's kind of a little bit of an intense, you know, story of what you and your family had gone through with her getting sick and all. Yeah. So, you know, I was just busy living my life. As you mentioned in the beginning, I'm a work in the healthcare field and I'm an accountant, a CPA. So I was just busy living my life, family, kids, you know, sort of a hectic life. And then it all came to like this kind of, I don't want to say grinding halt because our, our your, your work life kept going on. But this like uh, difficult period in my life where both my mother and my mother-in-law were both diagnosed with cancer within a week of each other, one week. So all of a sudden, like our whole lives changed. So in addition to sort of living our very busy lives, we were learning so much about cancer and going back and forth to doctor's offices and surgeries and hospitals. And it was just um, a whirlwind year. And my mother... Uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she, you know, through that entire year, uh, fought, battled it, but 
but came out the other side. She's still with us. She turns 90 this year. My mother-in-law was pancreatic, which is such a fierce, horrible cancer. And so in that same year that my mother was struggling with all the treatments with breast cancer, my mother-in-law was going through all her treatments with pancreatic, but she succumbed to it. So that was 2006. So after she died, I mean, I was really, I would say, in mourning, you know, in grief, because she was, she was just a wonderful person. And I loved having her in life. I loved having her in life of my, my children. So for them to lose their grandmother it was very, very difficult time. But five days after she died, and, 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 you know, it's interesting. I don't know if I would say I was exactly skeptical of the afterlife. I never really thought about it. I never, I never thought about it. It never, it never dawned on me. I think I just thought when you you die, you die. And that's the end, you know? <laughs> I, so it was interesting. But anyway, five days after my mother-in-law died, my daughter, who was um, 13 at the time, very, and we, we never spoke about the afterlife in my household, very matter of fact, she said, oh, I got a gift from Grandma Lucille yesterday. And I was like, <laughs> well, how can that be? But I was like, but I listened to her earnestly because she seemed very earnest. And I was like, really? What, what gift? And she said, she gave me pom-poms. And I was just like, what? <laughs> you know? And she proceeded to tell me the story that she was in art class. She was making a textured project and she had this big Tupperware of multicolored pom-poms and she decided to make a a, a textured project with green and red pom-poms. And so she took them out and she counted them and she double counted them to make sure she had what she needed for her green and red. And as she, she put the lid on and took it back to the art closet and she came back and her green and red were there along with one lavender and one ivory colored one. And she said, and I said, how are they from grandma? And she said, well, they're the same color as the balloons that we let go at the gravesite this weekend. So obviously, obviously, she's saying thank you for the balloons. And I'm like, so I'm thinking, okay, she obviously put them there. Diane, my daughter, put them there herself or somebody else. So I was just like, my daughter's pretty bright. So I was just like, well, who was there? Somebody else must have put them there. And she, in a very fascinated way, she just said, I know, I'd love to know how they got there. They must have either floated through the air or they must have just appeared. There was nobody around my desk. I know I didn't put them there. So she was very earnest and had already thought through all the possibilities and had concluded that they must have either floated through the air or just popped up on the desk. And um, so, you know, she went to school that day and I went to work, but it sort of stuck in the back of my mind because that's what my mother-in-law was planning on having occur. And, and I was just telling everybody, you know, I was telling work colleagues, I was telling friends. And I was like, oh, my daughter thinks she got pom-poms from my mother. How can that be? How can that be? And then I told one friend in particular who I'd been friends with about, for about 10 years and I would have considered us close. We're still close, but I guess we never spoke about the afterlife. And so up until that point, and then, so I told her my whole story with the pom-poms and she was like waiting for me to explain how I believed in the afterlife. She was just, you know, listen to my whole story. And then when I was done, I was like, what do you think? And she was shocked that I didn't believe in the afterlife. She was just like, well, you believe in the afterlife, don't you? Which is the subtitle of my book. Right. She's like, you believe in the afterlife, don't you in it? And I was like, what? You believe in the afterlife, <laughs> you know? So 
that was a big second step because now I had somebody who I really valued who it was part of her life. You know, she was very matter of fact about it. So now I'm thinking, so she thinks these pom-poms are really from. (laughs) So that was interesting. Mm -hmm. So that gave it more credibility. Then then as my mother-in-law orchestrated this whole thing from the other side, which I understand now that she did, that following week, we were at a restaurant on Main Street in my town with my widowed, recently widowed father-in-law, my husband, my son, and myself. And we were seated at this restaurant and there was this big poster in the window next to where we were seated. It was facing the street, but we could see through it. And it said, Dinner and Medium Show with Josephine Gerringelli. Josephine Gerringelli, my girlfriend, when I told her that story, she told me that she frequented Josephine and got practical, real-life advice. She would tap into her deceased father, and she would ask Josephine to ask her father, should we sell the house? I'm I'm naming my son X. What do you think, Dad? (laughs) So here she was telling me about Josephine, and now, you know, later on that week, and there's this big sign that this Josephine's coming there in four months. So I'm like, hmm, you know, that's a synchronicity. So I go home, I call my friend Maria up, although I changed her name to Donna in the book, but I call Maria up and I, you know, do you want to go to this? And she was like, yes, absolutely. And so this was going to be in four months. So that was early 2007 that that was going to go occur. So in, in that four months, nothing really happened that I recollect. I didn't think about the afterlife again. You know, we were just going to this medium show, which I considered to be almost a magic show. And that's how I sort of looked at it. And we we went there. I made the reservations, Annette, party of three. No credit card, no nothing. And not because I was skeptical and thought, you know, she's going to get my information, but just because that's all they asked. And I made the reservations and we recruited a third friend. So my girlfriend, two girlfriends and I went. And um, and And when the medium came out, it was like a regular medium reading like you'd see on TV now, you know? So she came out and she read some, group over there with some deceased firefighter or police officer. And I was thinking, oh, I guess, you know, this family's probably planted there. They probably know her and travel with her and, you know, just to add credibility to this magic show. But then the second person out the box, out of the box was my mother-in-law. She, this Josephine came right over to my table and said, okay, I have a woman here named Lucille, which is my mother-in-law's name. And I was like, you know, I know my mother-in-law's name is Lucille. I see Josephine standing right here. <laughs> and my girlfriend's kicking me under the table to take the microphone. I could not take the microphone. I just froze. And I was going through in my head, this is, this is impossible. There was no way she picked this name out of the hat. I, I must have said something on the phone. And I was like, no, I said Annette Party of Three. What happened when we checked in? We just said Annette Party of Three. Did I give them any credit card? Did my girlfriend call this woman up? Like she told me she, you know, like I was just, I couldn't take the microphone. And my girlfriend was very upset at me. This is an opportunity. She's kicking me under the table. I, I couldn't take it. So Josephine then uh, sort of retreated out, you know, to someone else. And she did a couple more readings, but my mother-in-law was insistent, persistent. She came back, Josephine. And she said, okay, this woman's still here. <laughs> so if it's not Lucille, it's something with an L. I see she's holding her stomach like she died maybe of something like stomach cancer. My mother-in-law had died of pancreatic. So I was like, all right, fine. (laughs) So I took the microphone 
reluctantly and and pretty nervously. I took the microphone. And then Josephine said the thing that was, to, to me, I can trace back to a particular line that just blew the door wide open for me. And it was, and what she said was, how is Rita? Lucille's asking me how Rita is. Rita's still here, isn't she? Now, Rita's my mother's name. So, and in the book, I named her Margarita. But, but that one line, in the year that the two of them were fighting cancer, we would go to eat whichever house and Lucille, my mother-in-law would say, how's Rita doing? So it's not that good. She's fighting. And when we went to my mother's house, it was like, how's Lucille doing? They were constantly asking about each other because they were both going through these horrible treatments and surgeries and radiation and chemo and et cetera. And so when this Josephine said that one line, Lucille's asking how Rita is. She's still here, isn't she? I know that my mother-in-law had that line come out of Josephine, through Josephine to me, because there is just no way that she would know two, two, she didn't say five wrong names first. She just said two names, Lucille and Rita. And she, and the way she said it, how's Rita? She's still here, isn't she? I just knew it was my mother-in-law. And, and that was it. I, I just, I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> this is wild. <laughs> like, so that's what started it for me. You know, that's what sort of blew the door wide open. Like, okay, and I'm an accountant. I have to make sense of this. Right. Got to put the numbers together, right? <laughs> does not fit in anything I know to date. <laughs> I need to understand this. So. Yeah. And the other cool thing too, is I think it was before you went to see that psychic, medium, you went to see Suzanne Northrup, who we are very familiar with. She has been on the show many times. I first met her through the Afterlife Awareness Conference. And it was funny because your skepticism was like, same thing. Like she must have planted people here. There's no way. And she's actually, she was, went through a study with Gary Schwartz. I don't know if you're familiar with that study, but she was like one of the highest percentage of intuitive hits, like real, real deal, you know, stuff as it sounds like this other medium was too. So I, you know, again, just those synchronicities with us, I was like, oh my God, Suzanne in this is in this book. We've had her on the show many times. We filmed her. Like I've seen her work in action too. It's like, holy cow. So just, you know, interesting that she was one of the mediums. And then you had an interesting story with John Edward. Yes. And with Suzanne Northrup, I had actually gone to, I took both my mother and mother-in-law to her when my daughter was like three, so probably 10 years earlier. And I don't know why. I was just out of curiosity. And I viewed the entire hour and a half like a magic show. The whole Like sham, yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, this person's planted, that person. I never really thought it was true, (laughs) you know, until it happened to me. But you're right. So she was, I consider her the first medium, but I totally didn't believe. And, And since then, I have seen her in action. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. She is. Um, and then the second meeting was Josephine. But you're right. The John Edward, that was just such, you know, what ha- what happened after that the Josephine situation was I spent about three or four years just entrenched in metaphysical, spiritual, and afterlife. I needed to get my head around how the universe and how the world works. And most importantly, if we go on, what is this about? Right. How does it connect us here? And so during that four years, reading everything I could, speaking to everything I could, to everybody I could, and um, going to medium 
group events and, you know, et cetera. And so one of the medium events that I went to was John, one was John Edward. And what occurred there, besides us getting read, because at that point I, I now believed in the afterlife. So being read wasn't as fascinating to me because I knew that our, our loved ones are there. But there were, what, what happened during those four years is the other side was very methodically teaching me things about how the universe works. So I had some actual dream downloads and I was put in circumstances to learn how the universe works and the complexity of it. And, and, and that was the purpose. So sort of like, okay, now I understand the afterlife goes on. What is, what's this all about? And so my John Edward reading was really had the purpose of explaining to me the complexity of the, of the universe. And, and, and that's just, it's just a fascinating story. So like some people are just fascinated that, oh, you know, he, he, he read you, you know, your mother-in-law came through, but that was the tip of an iceberg because what happened that evening was I had bought tickets. It was during the four years where I was just like soaking up everything I can. And so I had bought tickets for four for my family of four to go to John Edwards show um, here on Long Island. And in December, I had bought them in April for December. And the November before December, we had Thanksgiving at my house and my mother-in-law was already on the other side. We had Thanksgiving at my house and my sister-in-law explained to me that she's fairly certain that her mom is coming through a fellow from another county on Long Island who happens to be placing wrong calls to my sister-in-law on an ongoing basis. And what she explained was that she got the first call from this elderly fellow on Chris, the Christmas after a year after my mother-in-law died. And then, and she was, and, oh, sorry, wrong number. And then on Easter, oh, oh sorry. And she's like, hmm. the same name was coming up. It was Cor- Corsioni. And the same name kept coming up and wrong number. And then, and then it happened on my sister-in-law's birthday, which is July 1st. That's not even a holiday, but again, and so she stopped and she wanted to speak with the fellow, like what's going on. And it's just holidays. And so she's, she is speaking to him and he explained to her that his sister lives in another state and her phone number, the end of her phone number is, is the same as my sister-in-law's who lives in the same County as him. So when he forgets the area code, for his sister, it rings my sister-in-law. And so, and that's, and he's just calling to say happy holidays to his sister. So that's why it was Christmas and Easter. It was New Year's. He's just calling to say happy holidays. Can't explain why one was on her birthday, but whatever. So my sister-in-law just took this as a nice thing and went and on thanks that, that Thanksgiving morning, when we were sitting here for Thanksgiving dinner, he, she had gotten a call from him. <laughs> and so he said, she said, hi, Mr. Corsioni. No, this is Lucille again. You know, my sister-in-law's name is Lucille. This is Lucille against, you know, you forgot the area code and hung out, whatever. So she tells me this story. And um, I was like, yeah, that's definitely your mom monkeying around. Cause it's not like it happened before she died. It wasn't this Corsione just started afterwards. So anyway, so, so she told me this story at, at the end of November you know, Thanksgiving time. And then beginning of December, I had these four tickets and my daughter who was in high school at that time decided she didn't want to go. So I called my sister-in-law and I said, why don't you come with us? 
So the four of us went, my husband, my sister-in-law, my uh, son, and myself. And we went, and there's probably 3,000 people in this theater in the round in Long Island. And John Edwards, who's, you know, so spot on, comes out. And he does a bunch of readings like you would see him do on television. He just, you know, zeroes right in. But then, and this is so complex, but then he turned to our um, section and he said, okay, I'm, I think I'm with the person here. And he pointed at a woman who was two rows in front of us, but right in front of us, but two rows in front. And she stands up and he says, he says, okay, as you're standing, I feel a pull from behind me. So I'm going to turn around. I think you're connected to someone on the other side of the audience. Turns around 180 degrees and he points to, uh, people up on the top of the section over there. And these two women stand up. They're a mother and a daughter. The daughter maybe is in her 30s. They, so the mother maybe 60. So they stand up. And he starts pinging between these two people. Where do you live? Massapequa. Do you know what? Do you live in Massapequa? No. Where do you work? He's going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And they're not making a connection. And he's like, I know you guys are connected. Then he turns to the mother-daughter and he says, all right, I need more information from the other side. And he turns to the mother-daughter and he says, okay, I'm seeing a, a fellow who died in a fight, in a, like a bar fight. And the girl, the 30-year-old starts crying hysterically. And the mother tells the story that she's, the 30-year-old is currently married, but that she had been engaged to a fellow five years prior, who tried to break up a bar fight and got, and he got shot during the time he was trying to break. So he's coming through. So John Edwards says, he's saying he, he gives blessing on the fellow you're married. He's so glad that you're being taken care of now, whatever. And he goes, and somehow this is connected to the woman. And he turns around to our section, to the woman standing two rows in front of us. He goes, this is gonna, do you know anything about this bar fight? The woman says, absolutely no turns back around again to them. And he goes, all right, let me think of the name. He goes, is the name, and he says the first name, I forget what it is, let's say it's, it's John. John Corsioni. he says the, the, the bar, the fellow who died, the last name, Corsioni. And so they, they're crying, yes, that's his name. And at that split second, my sister-in-law turns to me and she goes, that's the name on the telephone. And if she had not told me that story on Thanksgiving, there is no way in that tense kind of atmosphere, I would have understood what the heck she was even talking about, you know? So she's, and I was like, oh my God, that's Corsioni. This, this is for you. You're connected to this. And so I start raising my hand and they come, they take the microphone from the woman two in front of us and they give it to me and I give it to my sister-in-law. And I'm like, my sister-in-law is connected to that name Corsioni. And Sure enough, my mother-in-law comes through flying colors. You know, the, the reading was for us. It was my mother-in-law. She mentions four things and four things only, her four grandchildren. She goes through them one at a time through John Edward. And, um, and that was the connection. And so I understood that my mother-in-law was showing me the pow powerful interconnection and the powerful design of the universe. I knew that was the purpose of that because for, for that to have occurred, I had to buy those tickets. My sister-in-law had to, the, the, the wrong numbers had to be there. My sister-in-law had to stop and talk to that fellow 
to understand the whole thing. She had to explain it to us a couple of weeks prior, because in that setting, I never would have understood what the heck she was talking about. Then, John, then we get to the stadium. That other fellow who died in the bar fight, who has no relation, we don't think, to the Corsion from the uh, county who's calling us, or the elderly man. So, but he had to come through to the women who lived in Hicksville that we used to be engaged to. That, that the connection. And then people, you know, people will say like with the medium, well, I don't know if they're really true or whatever. And I think to myself, during that four years when I was going to mediums, believe me, they would give up way sooner (laughs) if they really were just faking it. Like why continue? John Edward was so persistent. He continued and continued until he figured out that connection. Yeah. And it was my mother-in-law and she was showing, I, I believe she was showing me how the, the, the soul's journeys can be and how connected we are to each other. Yeah. And so, yeah, I made sure I put that in the book because there was a huge learning lesson in there for me. Yeah. And as you said, all the details, right? I mean, it's all of that and more for those people to actually purchase the tickets on the same day, the same time, you know, even the positioning of where they sat and how the story got, you know, pulled out. And did your did your sister-in-law ever call that gentleman back to like share to see if there's even more of a connection of you know, somebody that he's connected to in the spirit world? No, but not only did she not call him back, she was sort of satisfied. He never called again. Wow. The call stopped. Oh my gosh. I know. Yes. I know. Yes. I know. So it was like those calls spanned about a year. Mm-hmm. And then, and there were the holidays, and then and my sister's birthday, my sister was birthday, which who knows why that was an actual life first, but but and then they stopped. Wow. So we were just satisfied that it was my mother-in-law, you know, and she wanted to come through, mm-hmm. and she but she didn't want to come through in a regular way. She wanted to come through in a way because I was journey, journeying at that point to understand the universe. She wanted to come through in a way to, to say this to me: I know you think you have it figured out in it. But it is so complex. Right. That's the yeah. thing to me. And and here's another nugget to show you, right? It's like, and and I think something like that then allowed you to probably go even deeper, right? Yes, to see something else. And I mean, that story just really, to me, also talks about, you know, the catchphrase that we hear a lot, divine timing, yes. you know, not in our time. And, and what is really orchestrated that we have no comprehension of unless... We actually sit and dissect. And had you guys had the opportunity to maybe even speak to that other family, that July 1st thing might have been like the oh. birthday of the boyfriend that died or maybe the day that he was murdered or, you know what I mean? I'm sure there's a little even more of a rabbit hole yeah. that if you all sat down together and it's like, wow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the connection is unbelievable. And that's something I tell people during this horrible year and a half with COVID if we can, po- you know, for people to possibly think that we're not connected to everyone, <laughs> I mean, COVID showed us, it showed us this invisible connection. It raced through the entire world effortlessly. Right. And then people think we're not connected. We're, we're all connected to each other. Yeah. You know? So how has it changed your life, you know, like with this journey? How do you look at, if you think about who you were before all this happened, how do you see yourself evolving and changing? How has it changed the way that you live in life or look at things now? 
Uh, so that's a great question. It has changed my percep- perception of everything, like, you know, 100%, 100%. So I would, I, I guess I would say this, that before I understood that, I, I think the biggest thing to understand for me was that this life that we're in here is just a teeny sliver of our whole soul, mm-hmm. soul's existence. And so before that, I, I thought this life was it, was everything. And so there was such a huge importance placed on every little stress and every little drama and every little thing. I just was very busy living, you know, my life and, and stressed out and things like that. And now that's all dissipated <laughs> because it's like, you know, every time something happens that happens really, you know, that's a difficult thing in my life. I immediately jump into my head to think, well, wait, this may not be just about this. <laughs> this must be about something bigger. So, you know, just like a practical real life example, um, I was, had a big meeting at work, you know, maybe about, this is probably about, I don't know, seven years ago, big meeting at work and I had to get to work and my garage door got stuck and I couldn't get my car out. And I was like, oh my God, I was so like, I'm, I'm going to, you know, be late to this meeting, but it'd be late to this meeting. And then I stopped and I thought about it and I said, hmm, maybe I'm not supposed to be drunk. Maybe I'm supposed to get to this meeting another way because, or maybe I'm not supposed to be at the meeting, but there's probably something going on here. I ended up calling my father and asking him to drive me to work. He drove me to work. I got to work. And then my husband picked me up at the end of the day at work, but I made it to the meeting. But three days, then my husband came home, we fixed the garage door. And three days later, I got T-boned my car and um, just right at the side. And I think hmm, if that garage door hadn't jammed three days earlier, maybe it wouldn't have been a T-bone on the passenger side with no passenger there. Maybe it would have been something worse. Yeah. So that's my, that's the practical example. Before that, if, if this had happened before I understood the universe, I would have been crying and screaming. I would have been trying to jam that garage on myself. I would have been on the phone with everybody. Like I would have just been focused on opening the garage door. Right. Because I, I got to drive to work. And, and, and after that, that hardship came up. And I, that's what happens. That hardships come up. And I immediately start thinking, okay, maybe it's not about what I'm thinking it's about. Right. So when hardships come up, you question yourself, what's the bigger picture here? It's like yeah. you have to actually take a step back. And because you believe and know and have seen in this interconnectedness that you're able to ask that question, does this mean something more? Yes, that's exactly right. Beautiful. And it's a a totally different way to live your life. Absolutely. I know some people think I'm crazy because I live my life like that. I'm like, (laughs) everything's a sign. I'm adding up all numbers all the time. I'm like, (laughs) when this happens, I'm like, oh, it's got to be something more. It's not, nothing's a coincidence. You know, people are like, April, maybe it's just that the garage door got stuck. (laughs) But hey, they can live their life that way. And I'm going to continue to live my life and the way that you're living your life. So I'm curious. I like the title of your book, Your Soul Focus. I kind of feel like Spirit's asking me to ask you that question, why did you choose those words? So that's not even my question. I know it's coming from a higher, because I usually don't ask people questions about why they t- titled the name of their book, but I'm, I keep hearing it over and over. So, so tell me about that. It's interesting because um, I don't have a great story behind it, but I can tell you why I came up with it. I really wanted, you believe in the afterlife, don't you? Except that it doesn't really fit nicely on the spine of a book. 
So I started thinking I need something that's shorter. I'll make it the subtitle, but I need something that's probably like three or four words. So I like, I'm an accountant. I like three, you know, I like the number three. So I like the placement of the three words, your soul focus. And then I, I had probably about a dozen different kinds of three word things that I was thinking about. And this was just one of them. And, and I think it came from, I think somebody, at some point somebody had said your soul food or soul food or something like that. So I was like, you're so focused. And, and then I loved the placement of OU in your, OU in soul, and OU in focus with a C in the middle, like I see. So, so I said, your soul focus, that's great. Those OUs, the placement of them, and the fact that the purpose of the book is to help people focus on their soul, on their soul. So I was like, that's, that's the right title for this. It's three, and I can make the subtitle, you believe in the afterlife, don't you? And those three words just are beautiful. So that's what I did. <laughs> See, that is a good story, though, and there's more to it. There is a lot of thought. And for some reason, I feel like Spirit wants you to own that a little bit more because there's like a subliminal message in that, you know? It's like... Because then when you think about it, you can really deduce it down, right? So the number of three, which is like a very spiritual number, it's the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, you know, I mean, three is known to be just, you know, a magical number. And then I love the little subliminal thing of the C, of being able to see. I mean, it's so cool. I'm so glad Spirit asked me to ask you that. <laughs> love it. And I also love too. I have to just go back. With your daughter's pom-poms, she chose 11 red and 11 green yes. for her tree and path 11. You're on oh, path 11. Yes. You're yeah. absolutely right. It was interesting because at the time I was thinking, I wonder why she didn't choose 12, like, you know, the 12 months, 12 days, uh, 12 months of the year, but she chose 11. Right. 11. But then we could like go even deeper because the lavender and the ivory is 13. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's interesting too. Yeah. I was married on the 13th. So, so she always liked the 13th, the numbers. Your mother-in-law was married on the 13th? Yeah, August 13th. She always loved the number 13. Like See? People would say that it was like a, like a, what do you call it? Like a scary number, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Superstitious. Bad, bad, bad yeah. luck number. But yeah. she always loved it. Well, same here. So, okay. So this is interesting too. So the fact that she loves the number 13, 13 is my favorite number as well. I mean, really? So I wore it in all sports for um, huh. high school and college. I have a synchronicity with the number that when I go to concerts and shows, I could actually show you one on my phone right now. I always get seat 13 and it's not even planned. Uh -huh. Like you put the tickets in, okay, I want two tickets and you get it back. So, and my grandmother's birthday was in August and my family's Italian, which I think it might be. Yes, yeah, I am. I mean, my, my, my maiden name is Gennaro. So I am Italian. My heritage is Italian and I married an, a fellow who was Italian. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so many synchronicity. I bet you my grandmother, your mother-in-law, yeah. you know, the number 13's coming through. I mean, so many synchronies. And also, I think I saw that where you work, is it Northwell Health in the city? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have a crazy story about that too. Oh, really? I'm, yeah. A couple, of, a couple of years ago, I took my best friends down to the city to go see Imagine Dragons. Oh. And 
we were down by Rockefeller Center and Norwell Health was doing this thing for veterans. Yeah. So we were walking through, we meet, we call our angel, Angie, Angie, the angel. And we were taking a pe- picture with the Mets mascot that was there. And but we heard Boys to Men was playing at Rockefeller Center. And so my best friend, like diehard Boys to Men fan. So, and Gavin DeGraw was there and the guy that does the Carlton, I think it's Carlton, right? From Fresh Prince of Bella or whatever. So I somehow started talking to Angie and was like, oh my God, we just found out Boyce to Men is playing like my best friend. It's her, it's her favorite thing. We don't know where we could try to get tickets or whatever. And Angie goes, oh, well, you know, I'm staff here and I have two free tickets. So I'll just, I'll give them to you while we're dying, but there's three of us, right? So I scheme up and I was like, you know what? We're just going to all go down. I'm going to send you a picture, screenshot of mine. And we're all three going to get in. Just trust me. I know that this is meant to be. Because my one friend was like, no, I'll just stay up here. I'm like, you're coming with us. So not only did she give us these free tickets, but they were VIP tickets that we ended up getting going into this suite of Rockefeller Center. We had free food, free drinks, free dessert. And we had front plate, like front front stage like front row I mean you know it was just like this open thing my other best friend was like in her glory but ever since then like Northwell Health I was just like or nor how do you pronounce it Norwell North Northwell Hill. it is Northwell Health we and then we at the end of the night we ran into Angie in the bathroom as we were getting ready to leave we're crying we're like this was such a gift you were so such a blessing you know you just made our night it was just it was so amazing so even seeing that on your email I was like oh I have such fond memories of an employee that works there because it was just yeah, you know something so cool. interesting because I really wanted to go to that that was Memorial Day of like mm-hmm. three years ago or something yeah. like that I, it was like May 25th or something and I really wanted to go but we were away that weekend and I was like oh because I love Imagine Dragons yeah (laughs) I'm glad you enjoyed it (laughs) yeah I did so just so funny how like as we speak and we tell stories there there too is like a little bit of interconnectedness right divine timing that we've come together feel like a little bit of your mother-in-law with the connection to 13 here I am you know your daughter's story and I of course I focused on the fact that she had 11 pom-poms of each so I was like oh I got to bring that up because of path 11 you know and then that just leads us into more stories so it's so cool and that it was wonderful to have you as a guest where can people buy your book where can they read it and uh, I have a website annettemarinaccio.com and uh, you can buy the book on Amazon. I have it in audio now, too. I launched it in audio a couple of months ago. So I have it on Audibles or iTunes. And I have the uh, Kindle book and the paperback. And you can also buy it at barnesandnoble.com. And I have some shelf space on Long Island if people are on Long Island. But So cool. Thank you so much. We will put your website in our show notes. Again, the book is called Your Soul Focus. I hope you guys enjoyed this and that you're a wonderful storyteller as well. It's so easy to listen to you. I could listen to you talk all day. (laughs) Love it. So thank you. Um, So glad that you have found this journey. You wrote about it. You have a book now. I mean, you go, girl. You (laughs) keep it up. And thank you, Lucille, for um, orchestrating a lot of this. 
Yes, absolutely. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. It's been a wonderful way to spend the last hour. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. And thank you everyone so much for listening. If you would like to watch this, if you're a visual person, head on over to pap11tv.com. We put all of our video podcasts up there for free so you can actually see us talking to one another. And if you just love to listen, that's okay too. If you're listening, be sure to rate our podcast. If you wouldn't mind, you know, just letting us know what you think about it. Rate it five stars. Help us out out there. But I will bring another very interesting guest to you next week. So take care, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the PAP 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, PAP 11 TV. Visit pap11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial and start streaming over 100 hours of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's pap11tv.com, and be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path 11 TV today. Bye for now.